Good evening, everyone. This is Ivan. Uh, welcome to another episode of Those That Can Do. Uh, at the moment, I shall kick it off for now while Patrick is running a little bit late. Uh, tonight, we have Brian Corum coming back onto the session. So thank you very much for joining us, Brian. Most welcome. Good day. Good day again. <laughs> I was having a bit of a good chat just before, but uh, all good. Uh, well, thank you to everybody for making the time. Uh, as I said, I'm Ivan Chirilov. Uh, I'm the MD and co-founder of TradeFloor. Um, we are joined today by Brian Corum, uh, who is active in the in the world of options. Uh, this is probably the third or fourth time I think you're you're um, either on a podcast or on stage with us. So uh, thank you for your support throughout. Um, and today we're going to be talking about using uh, straddles around reporting season, uh, which is going to be quite an interesting session, especially with that uh, not too far around. But uh, just before we do kick off, just want to go on and make sure that um, you guys can uh, – uh, actually, just one thing I should probably just check is that hopefully we're seeing all the screens uh, as they should be, so hopefully you guys can see that. That looks like it's good. Um, so we'll start off with a disclaimer. Uh, just please note that everything is general advice only. Um, obviously, options, uh, uh, especially if used incorrectly, can cause a whole heap of um, risk, uh, as probably seen in, in the news not so long ago. But uh, uh, make sure that you know what you're doing. Uh, practice, 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 and uh, remember that they are not for everyone. Uh, so make sure you know what you're doing. Alrighty, so um, what I shall uh, probably start with is just for those that are new into the session, we've obviously got another game kicking off or have, has just kicked off, um, and uh, that's been uh, the biggest game we've ha ever had already. Uh, so for anyone who's coming in who's new, Brian, do you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in trading options? Sure. Uh, good evening, everyone. Hope you're all well. Um, so I guess I've been trading equities for, I don't know, 20 odd years and like some people thought you know, options was this dangerous thing that, that can get you to lose your house and all sorts of horrible things. So I'd stayed away from it uh, and I began to read some more um, and understand that, you know, if you're going to manage things well, it's potentially no more risky than trading equities. Um, and I guess I, I then went off to uh, a training course, met uh, Patrick, um, that was in 2012, um, and got to learn that um, options trading is has actually many benefits over um, equities trading. Um, uh, particularly, I guess, and the main one for me is that it gets, gives you an opportunity to trade all markets. Um, you know, if you're an equities trader, it's basically you buy, you hold, you hope. Um, and if things go down, then you've got a choice. You either take a bath or you you hold on and hope that things recover over a period of time. With options, you've got a whole lot more um, choice. So that was, that was, I guess, choice. And num number two was that for a modest amount of capital, you know, you can get a decent amount of uh, leverage and exposure and get decent profits and those, those sorts of things. Um, so I'm, I'm an active trader. I guess active is, has different connotations for everyone. But for me, you know, probably six or eight trades a week, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, I'm not 
I'm not doing hundreds, I'm not doing one a month. It's somewhere in that sort of order of magnitude. Um, you know, mostly, um, well, it's been, I guess, recently mostly long uh, positions, um, though I've done iron, iron condors and butterflies and all sorts of things um, throughout the eight odd years that I've been, I've been trading. Um, mm. Ivan? I, I might as well just uh, go into, I mean, one thing actually um, from the easy questions, I guess. Uh, one thing I remember we chatted about uh, when we were at the last meetup in Sydney before everything sort of got shut down is you mentioned the intellectual stimuli that comes with, with options trading as a major benefit or a major motivation, I guess, for you. Um, can you speak a little bit more about that and how you see everything interwined together? Yeah, sure. Um, so... For those who can look at the picture of me, I guess, or we may have met up in Sydney or something, um, late 50s, um, got half an eye on retirement um, and really think observing the markets, particularly if you've got money in the market, then um, you've really got to stay connected to the world and understand what's, what might drive your strategy, your option strategy to a good place or a bad place. Um, so it kind of, I use the term, forces me to stay connected. So um, mm -hmm. I'm currently long some uh, Qantas uh, call options, for example. So I'm keeping a pretty damn close eye on any 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 news around Qantas, any news around airlines in general, you know, uh, borders opening up, what's you know, Virgin doing, just those sorts of things. Um, recently had some uh, trades open in Santos, so... You know, looking at oil and looking, I've got, I'm, I'm the proud owner of a bit of physical gold and silver. So keep an eye on precious, precious metals. You know, it just makes you want to stay connected, makes you not want to kind of become your own little you know, bubble. And, and um, you know, I, I just think it's really kind of stimulating. It makes you also a more interesting person if you know what's going on around the world, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just that's, I guess, all kind of part of it. It's funny, I, um, uh, I, I've got into trading for similar reasons, uh, although at a slightly different time. Um, but, you know, <laughs> when it was time to, to get into uh, into full-time trading, although actually I think we started about the same time, but, but I, I got involved during the GFC and, um, you know, okay. it, was, it was, yeah, interesting yeah. because definitely, you know, when, you, when your uni lecturers don't know anywhere near as much about the global markets, <laughs> Yeah, all of interesting stuff. But tell me a little bit about because you always sort of talk about about the, the trading system itself. But tell me a little bit about your psychology and how you go about dealing with losses. And have there been any super painful losses? Yeah, so um, I'd like to think I've got a bit more maturity and a bit more, you know, whatever about me at the moment. But certainly early on, um, I let my ego get in the way and my, my desire to be right. Um, and, you know, to hold on, hoping that that long position I might have had, long call or put, that, you know, a miracle would, would happen and, you know, Wall Street would drop 5,000 points and it would all of a sudden make the ASX correct somehow and then bring my awful position back into profitability. Um, I've long stopped, you know, waiting for uh, miracles to happen. And mm. and that's, I guess, part of the deal with options trading is, you know, you're not always going to be right. So it's all about limiting your losses. Um, I tend to take relatively um, small uh, wins. So I'm you know, happy to get 
25, 50% um, profit on a trade, um, which means you can't afford to take too many 100% losses. Mm. Um, you know, it's just, it, you just you just can't or you end up cooking your your account. So stick pretty cl- – oh, I'm sorry. 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 <laughs> no, I was going to say, so I just try and stick really – be really uh, disciplined around – uh, managing losses and just cop it on the chin, move on, get your money back out of the market, mm-hmm. and then look 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 for the next trade. You know, don't take it personally. The other thing I do, by the way, is as as I've, I've got like a watch list, and if I if I've got a trade open that's clearly clearly on the on the watch list, um, and if I close the trade, I immediately take that stock out of the watch list because huh. I just don't want to think about it anymore. I just don't yeah. want to think about it anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. In, yeah, I, it, it, it's actually an interesting thought. Um, uh, I actually remember that. Yeah, I, I tend to do something similar, and um, yeah, it, these these little things that that you do and you forget about, you know, they just become second nature to you. And now that you mention it, it it's something that came up. Um, one thing as well, just I think probably just just to mention, you know, when, when options traders talk about returns and you know and receiving sort of twenty five fifty percent returns, obviously it's a very different type of return to um, you know buying a you know putting money into a term, de- term deposit and getting those kind of returns. So um, risk reward wise, um, what what do you tend to I guess prefer better risk reward and a lower um, return rate or, I guess, accuracy hit rate, um, or are you quite happy taking losses as time goes on, um, being more wrong than right, um, but, but ultimately it's all about the longevity? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, does it, how does that look for you? Yeah, um, I, I tend to be quite conservative and, like I say, just I'm just happy to take a profit. I mean, I've closed some trades with, like, a dollar profit, and that's, that's, that's a good thing because my, my um, thoughts around the stock have changed and I'm just happy to just get out. Mm. Um, you know, I've taken others that are kind of triple digit, you know, more than 100%, so I've doubled my money. Um, but, you know, I'm, um, I figure... I figure this right. I've, I've worked pretty hard for the money that I've, that I've got in the market, and I don't really want to just throw it up against the wall. You know, I'd rather be conservative with it, uh, limit limit my my gains, yes, but also importantly, I limit my losses. So I've got a pretty conservative sort of view. If I was much much younger, if I was twenty or thirty, you know, maybe I'd be happy to lose a bit more, you know, and get some bigger wins when they kind of come along. Mm. Yeah, so it's I think fairly that, conservative. Yeah, yeah I, I think that, you know, one thing that, that, that's important there is that, um, you know, uh, especially with the higher returns that, that you typically get, one, especially once, it, once you know, I guess it, your strategy clicks, um, it, then you get your compounding interest and I guess as long as you're getting better than risk-free return, you're, you're doing well. Mm-hmm. What was the point for you when things clicked? Um, when, when did you know that okay, I can I can do this? I can do options trading. It's a thing. Yeah, um, and I don't for one second pretend I know everything, right? So I think I'm still learning, and and that's also part of the the reason I like to trade is I got this kind of um, curious 
it's mine. So I, I don't for one one second tell anyone that I know it all because I certainly don't. I learn learn something nearly every day. Um, I guess though, so I keep a log of all my trades, um, active active and closed, and um, mm -hmm. I I like to go back over them and say, well, um, and I so it's a bit of a thing. So I've got, you know, what what uh, market segments are they in? What sort of trades were they? You know, um, how long did I hold them for? You know, all all sorts of things like that. And I like to just look back over them and say, you know. I'm actually okay, and this is the thing, sorry, to answer your question, the, the kind of simple answer to the question is, when I begin to get kind of okay at picking direction, mm -hmm. um, um, because I, I think if you if you can't pick direction, um, no matter whether you've got a, um, a, a long short, a bullish, a bearish, whatever whatever it's going to, going to be, if you get, your, get your, your direction wrong a lot, then you're going to kind of struggle, you know, so... Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, so looking at charts and looking at indicators, and and when I began to get kind of okay at picking direction, I began to to then improve. And I, I look back at my um, my closed positions, um, and I've certainly improved, you know, in the last sort of couple of years. Um, but I'll tell you what, though, I mean, so you you last saw me in person, it was early March, and I had a mm -hmm. sling on because I had shoulder surgery. Yes, and I've been stuck at home because of that, recovering from that, and then of course COVID's come along. So I now get the luxury of spending, you know, eight hours a day sitting in front of three or four screens, and <laughs> I've also there, I've also realised that that I had a I had a certain trading style that meant if I was at work and I'm full time employed, right? So if if I was at work and I had to duck off to meetings and you know travel, and I, I go used to go to Brisbane a bit. And I'd be I'd be off the air for a period of time, um, and it was always when I was not watching the screens that all of a sudden something kind of went against me, and I'm you know down a thousand bucks in five minutes. Um, and I now know that that when I go back back to work, and I guess one day we'll all go back to kind of whatever the new normal is, um, I need to really adjust my trades to be ones that I don't need to be looking at the screen, you know, every few minutes. Um, mm -hmm. So whilst I'm probably comfortable being in a long position, you know, having long calls in Qantas, um, for example, um, now I, I probably wouldn't be as comfortable if I was at work and I, and I couldn't get back to the screens as often as I do. Yes, we can all set alerts and whatever else, but but you know you, you can't you can't replace I think being in front of the screen. Mm. Um, and is that, that because helps. you look at? Are you looking sort of at a chart, or you're looking at depth? Are you looking at price action? I mean, how um, how different would it be if you yeah so yeah so it's um it's looking at price action and volume. So mm -hmm. you know you get to an inflection point, and you might see a massive amount of comparatively big amount of volume become traded, and you know that's that's not Brian trading. That's UBS or that's JP Morgan or mm. some someone you know they've just bought a million Qantas shares or they've just more whatever it might be. Um, so you know some big money's in the market, you know, and then if something appears to be over over oversold and all of a sudden it'll start heading back sort of down again, or whatever, or, or it'll it'll often reverse around big big volume. Um, just from what I can see, or it'll it'll certainly change direction in some way. Um, so I look for yeah, uh, price action and volume and a few indicators, but really not an awful lot.
Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it it is interesting. You can tell um, so much from looking at a screen, and um, I think that you know there's there's, there's an interesting element where uh, I've heard a lot of people say that, especially in recent times, that you know you don't need to spend screen time to know how the markets move, um, but ultimately. Um, it's hard to say that you know the markets until you've really spent time in front of a screen, eh? Mm. Mm. Um, One thing that you've spoken about a lot or or that you've mentioned sort of is is the indicators that you look at, I guess, related to that. Uh, What indicators do you look at? um, I guess what what dominates your screen and what kind of timeframes do you look at? Uh, Yep. So I typically look at the five-minute chart during the day. Um, mm-hmm. So having, having, so in order to actually select a stock, um, I look at different time frames, so weekly, daily, typically, um, just to get a, a kind of context around where the stock is, what it's up to. Is it in a general, you know, sideways, up, up, down? Um, when I'm actually when I've, when I've got a, a strategy open, I'm looking at typically the the five minute, um, and the, sometimes the one minute, but often it's just the five. I find the five to be more, I guess, true. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what, what do you look for um, if, on, on a five minute chart? Um, so I've typically got two two charts open. One's the actual chart. It's or two screens. One's the actual chart. And the other is um, uh, the trading dashboard. So I'm looking for volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just look for price movement that's um, supported by extraordinary volume, I guess. Um, so if you look at – so on, on my chart typically, on, on my screen rather, you know, I've got uh, stochastics, I've got volume, um, I've got ADX – and implied volatility, probably the four. And up mm-hmm. on the top part with where the price action is, I've got um, uh, Bollinger Bands. That's about it. Mm. With, with a 20, 20 period moving average in the middle. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if you know something's either at or or outside of the Bollinger Bands, as if, if it's touching or or outside of the Bollinger Bands and some large volume comes along, fair chance it's going to change in direction. And if then it can be confirmed by things like this, this, the statistics from mm. from my experience. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Uh, look, uh, there's a couple of questions for you that, that I might that I might just uh, quickly add in, and I think yeah. maybe we, we move on to talking about straddles. Um, yep. and, and sort of reporting, reporting season specifically. But um, David, the first question you've asked, I'm going to come back a little bit later to. Uh, but uh, Tony asked this uh, question. Um, you've referred to picking direction, and what are the key actions that you take to come up with the decision whether the market is moving up, down, or sideways? Um, so I guess I'll look at the chart, and I, if... You know, something's at a 52-week high or low or something's outside the Bollinger Bands. Um, statistics say, for example, the Bollinger Bands, um, statistically, 
um, the stock will will trade back inside the Bollinger Bands. It kind of has to. Um, um, well, I guess we can talk about Bollinger Band theory at another time if you like. But but if something outside the bands, you know, it's going to come back in. It just has to. So um, whichever direction that might be, either if it's below the lower the lower Bollinger Band, you know, it's going to have to come back inside. Therefore, the price will need to increase to get back inside the band. Equally, if it's above the upper, um, it's got to come back inside the band, which means the stock price needs to fall in general terms. Um, mm. So I look for things like like that. Um, if the stochastic, so if you've got something that's at or above the upper Bollinger Band, and the stochastics are saying it's over overbought, um, they're kind of confirming each other, and so you know the chances of that stock uh, continuing to remain outside of the Bollinger Bands and continuing to be overbought is probably lower than the chances of the stock dropping in price coming back into the in, inside the Bollinger Bands and for the stochastics to start heading downward. Just mm. probability says, says one more likely than the other. Yeah, let, let's just sort of look at one of these unexpected, unprecedented moves, in which case you're starting to get yeah. out of the one, two standard deviations. I think it was five, six standards. I think it went to seven standard deviation move at one point in time. Yeah. That's once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime, stuff that. Yeah, definitely. Or once yeah. in a generation. Oh, yeah. Once in multiple yeah. lifetimes, possibly. Um, yeah, just... Question on the back of... Sorry. Go ahead. No. Uh, uh, question, right, follow-up question on that is... And by the way, great questions, guys. Keep, keep those coming. Um, but uh, Tony followed up with saying, you know, do you use candles technically? I do. Um, so on the actual price action part of the chart, um, I use the candles that we can see on our screen there now. So um, I don't pretend to be a candle expert, but, you know, things, something's like um, a shooting star candle at the top of, a, of an upward trend. Um, then, again, statistically, there's a reasonable chance it'll the price will then turn, turn back around. Again, if it's supported by, you know, it's at or above Bollinger Band, if it's oversold, you know, all, all these things kind of add together to confirm your thesis. Um, mm -hmm. So, yes, I, I, do use, I do use the candles, absolutely. Thanks for the question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, David, one question, um, <coughs> second question that you've, you've asked was um, uh, on a tick volume chart that the price volume moves based on, uh, the price moves based on volume, just a thing on that, um, as soon as there is, a tick chart literally moves based on ticks, so any time the price changes. There are volume candles, uh, literally a volume candle uh, you can select and you can read about how those work. Uh, also, range bars is another variation of that, mm -hmm. so there's, there's a whole heap of different stuff. Um, and the, the, the main view on that is to try and minimise noise, um, so they mathematically try and show you um, a candle for every show and every move in volume. Um, did we, Brian? Was it, did we speak with you about volume charts ages ago, of volume candles? But not that I recall. No. No, they're, they're, no, they're, no, no, it's fine. I, I, it was a conversation many moons ago. Um, Pat, by the way, I know that you've joined in, and we've sort of been keeping you quiet. Um, you're probably sitting in the background, kind of um, listening in. But uh, if, if you want to chat, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you made it home. Um, 
So uh, let, let's chat a little bit I'm, more about. Go on, I'm, uh, I'm pretty keen to hear about um, uh, the approach going into this uh, reporting season. Yeah, well, that's uh, basically what we're about to go talk about. So we're going to talk about a little bit about options pricing and how straddles work um, and how ultimately they become part of the reporting uh, framework, if you will, and um, sort of things to look for. So, uh, Pat, do, do you want to do you want to uh, uh, run this part, or do you want me to run it? You? Yeah, I'll, I, if you like, um, just because I know that uh, quite a lot of the people on session tonight might not be okay with straddles. Do you want me to quickly just go through and a, a basic explanation of straddles, or do you want to just get straight into? Actually, I can do that. Yeah. I, I can do that. Have you got some I'll save the trouble, Patrick. <laughs> hey, I can I can save the trouble, man. If you want, I can do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, Brian. We'll, yeah. Why don't we go there? So, what is a straddle, and um, you know, you know, what is it designed to do? The strategy. Sure. Yep. So, a straddle is um, an option strategy where you simultaneously buy um, a call option and also a put option. Um, with the same strike price uh, and the same expiry price. And so you can see on the screen there the, the V with the green and the red and the finger pointing at it, the profit and loss uh, diagram. So um, in that situation, the current um, or the, the um, strike prices of the options are at the price shown there by the A. Um, and as you can see, you'll, you'll make... Uh, money if the the share price or if the options price drops below a certain level or rises above a certain level. So in this situation, the the thing you do not want is for the stock to remain uh, at the same price that it is when you open the strategy. Um, I can talk a little bit about in in general terms what drives options pricing, but um, it's effectively three things. One of them is the underlying stock price. Um, the other one is the implied volatility. Uh, and the third major one is um, the time that that option has to live, what's how many days to expiry. So there's other things like, you know, interest rates and other stuff in the Black-Scholes model, but it's basically the time to live, the volatility and the underlying share price. So, so in example here, what you do not want to happen is for uh, volatility to stay the same or go down, whilst yes. at the same time the underlying share price stays exactly where it is when you open the trade. You know, what you what you do want is for the share price to move um, and for the implied volatility to increase. And you want it to happen fairly quickly because time decay is working against you because you've got two long positions. So you've got time decay working against you on the short, sorry, in the call and also in the uh, port. How'd I go? So, right, that really good. So... What are the scenarios where you deploy a straddle? Yep. So I'd, I'd look to deploy a straddle um, when uh, implied volatility is comparatively low. And we can talk about what, what that is in a minute. Um, and when there are reasonable chances that um, the underlying stock price and the implied volatility um, are both going to move fairly substantially um, in the near term, I guess that's probably the things for me. Okay, so um, 
if volatility looks like it's low and it could be a lot and, and you predict that it might be able to go higher and um, if you think the share price on top of that is either going to go up or down um, enough to be able to profit from um, from from that move. Is that right? Yes. Yes, correct. So, so in the um, strategy that you introduced, uh, you, you showed us your approach um, quite some months ago, um, which is around reporting season. What is it about reporting season that makes long straddles an interesting sort of strategy to deploy? Yeah. So I guess just really quickly for those who don't know, I assume some of you may not. So, so ASX listed companies have to report their earnings twice a year. Um, for the most part, they report, and there's two reporting seasons, as they call them. Um, one's in February, one's in August. So we're kind of coming now into back into June. Therefore, the August reporting season's almost upon us. Um, and what we see as um, what, what, so what we see is the implied volatility of options increases as we approach earnings. The actual um, the date that the earnings are going to be announced. Now, the reason for that is um, the market doesn't know. They can have a, a fair idea, but they don't really know what the earnings announcement is going to be, um, nor what the outlook for that company is going to be. So um, if I'm an option buyer, on the other end of the trades, an option seller, the option seller, if they're the day before the earnings are announced, um, the option seller wants, um, wants to... Um, receive a larger premium from the option buyer for the risk that that option seller takes of the trade going against them. So, you know, buying, buying, going long uh, options uh, when implied volatility is quite high is, you know, the day before earnings, it's a, it's a huge gamble um, because neither the buyer or the seller really knows what's, what's going to happen. Um, my thesis is that if you if you come back 30 odd business days, let's say 30, 30 business days from the day that the earnings are going to be announced, um, that that does a couple of things. One of them is um, implied volatility hasn't started to ramp up. It it kind of ramps up as we start to approach earnings. Um, so you're you're not paying a premium for the volatility associated with with the earnings event. Um, and therefore, you know, you can quote, you know, get in reasonably cheaply. And because in the case of a of a long long straddle, you're buying both a call and a and a put, then um, you would you would want to be buying in a in a period of relative low volatility. Does that make sense, Patrick? It does. Yeah. So um, to recap, you're saying over the period of time. Uh, thirty odd days out, you're able to buy um, vol at reasonable levels. Sort of, you know, the market will do and stocks will do what they do. But everything being normal, you'll be able to get in there and get set at a reasonable level. And then as you approach um, uh, the, um, the, the the announcement, volatility will increase as everyone gets worried about what that's going to be, positive, negative, or indifferent. And the share price may based on its interpretation or belief about what's going to happen, which benefits you as well. Um, and uh, and that offsets any time decay, or that can offset the time decay that's occurring. 
So it gives you an opportunity to position yourself around an event and then trade out, uh, you know, as you respond to what's happening. Yeah. yeah. So here's, here's what I'm looking for, really. It's, what I'm looking for is a stock that's got a history of, of implied volatility increasing leading up to earnings. The more, the better. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be jumping on a horse that doesn't, doesn't budge around earnings in terms of IV. So okay. I want to, one that's, that's got a history of, you know, movement. Um, ideally, one that's got a, a low IV rank. Um, so it's, if it's got an IV rank of, you know, 30 or below, that would be nice. Um, I don't like to trade CSL. I don't like to trade, you know, multi-hundred dollar stocks, nor do I like to trade, you know, $2 stocks. So I'm looking for something in the range kind of 15 to $30 in terms of the underlying stock, stock price. Um, ideally, I'd be looking for the stock price to be sitting directly over the strike prices of my options. Um, and let's, that's, I can explain why in a minute. The other one is around um, ADX. So we've talked, I don't think we've actually talked about ADX yet on this thing, but it's um, ADX, which is also sometimes I've got that up on my screen as well, Ivan. Um, ADX gives you a sense of how strongly or weakly um, uh, the share price is actually moving. So if you've got ADX um, around 25 or below, then the, sh the, the stock is, is not going on a mad tear up or, up or down. It's in a reasonably flat or, you know, it's, it's comparatively flat in terms of its stock price movement in recent days and so on. So something that's not on a mad tear uh, would be good. Um, and the other one I think is important is if something's at an inflection point, so if it's at a 52-week high or low, or if it's outside of the Bollinger Bands, then statistically it's, it's likely to be at an inflection point, which will mean movement in the underlying stock price. Um, so I've actually found one, which is Coles, which is why I've asked Ivan to pull up the, um, or to, to do a, to, to dem demonstrate here on the screen a, a long straddling coals. Maybe if you could just do me a favour though, um, there's a couple of slides, Ivan, that, um, well, who's, who's controlling Ivan? Yeah. Um, if you go to one of those slides, please, mate. So what, what I did was looked at coals and I thought, well, what, yes, okay, I know coals was spun off from West Farmers late last year and it's, it uh, reported um, uh, it's, its own earnings for the first time in February. So I, went, I actually used the, um, the back testing capability of the, the implied volatility platform. And I, I um, said, okay, let's just go back to the 30 days back from the 27th of February, which you can see in, on that thing in front of us, the 27th of Feb was the expiry date of the options. I went back 30 days. So I opened a trade uh, uh, on the 7th of January, um, 30 of each, so 30 calls, 30, 30 puts, and long story short, it cost, would, have, would have cost $2,848, including costs. So there's, and that's because I'm, I'm a net, Sorry, because I'm a, I, I missed one bit. Is this a trade that you've entered or one that you've just priced up today? No, so one of the things I'm looking for is, um, is a stock that's got a history of, you know, moving in the 30 days before earnings, both in terms of price and also volatility. Right, yeah. Uh, I happen to find Coles, Coles A meets my current stock selection criteria. 
And yep. it also I, then, and I know that because I've gone back and looked at, okay, the one and only um, uh, trading of, or sorry, uh, earnings event that um, Coles did, which is back in back in uh, February. So this is a this is a pretend trade, okay. Yep. Um, yeah. It's in the back testing, correct? Yeah. So you know, had we have opened a trade on the seventh of January and spent two thousand eight hundred and forty-eight dollars, if you go onto the next slide, please. Um, so this is, um, and sorry, the previous one, the previous slide, that one. Yep. So this is um, again out off off the back testing. So if I had have opened the trade, um, you can see there the in that uh, grey grey box. Um, that was what the Coles price did on the 7th of January 2020. Um, it was you know, closed at $15.20. So somewhere between 15.20 and 15.06, which was, I guess, the high and low 15.24. So it's in that sort of range. Um, we would have bought 30 calls, bought 30 puts, created ourselves a long straddle. Um, as luck would have it. Now, this is, this is really, I think, before COVID, you know, I mean, COVID kicked in late February-ish. Um, that's it there, yeah, thank you, 7th. So um, n none of us knew on the 7th of January that, you know, we're about to get hit with a, with a global pandemic, I'm sure. None of us knew that. So you open the trade on, this, on the 7th of January and as luck would have it, um, the share price has gone up to $17.25 by the middle of uh, February. Um, I should have. So this was um, the 27th of Feb was the um, was the option expiry price. The um, earnings announcement was on the 18th of February. So I'd look to get out of this by the, no later than the 17th of February. Um, if you go to the next slide, please, you can see what the profit and loss of the trade did between the 7th of January and the 17th of February. So bottom left corner, 701.20, so open the trade. Um, you know, had I been an absolute genius and sold it, you know, around the, the 10th or 11th of February, I would have made 3,745 bucks. Um, I mentioned earlier on this call that, you know, Brian's happy to take 25 to 50% profit. So I probably would have sold back in, back in January at some point uh, and have been happy with that. But um, so this just proves to me that Coles, okay, it's got a, a sample of one, and I know that's not really statistically sound, but but um, and maybe maybe people who did buy Coles shares were aware of COVID coming. I, again, I doubt it, but you know who knows. So it's, it doesn't prove that, that Coles will always move um, uh, dramatically in the 30 days leading up to earnings, but it shows it's at least got the ability to. Um, so if you go back to the, um, the uh, strategy builder, please, Pat. That one there. Oop, right, sorry, no, back to the actual web, web to the website, mate. Sorry for pushing you around a bit. That one. Yep. <laughs> okay. okay. So I, was, so, I was just trying to uh, get that to work. Anyway, we, we're here. All good. <laughs> cool. Okay. So so here we are. If you look in the middle of the screen in the in the in the green box, the expiry date twentieth of August, twenty twenty. Um, so this is um, now a, a trade that we could enter. Um, now, 30, 30 days before the 20th of August is the 8th of July. So if we stick to the rules, and you know, we'd need to 
check what the market's up to on the 8th of July, who knows, but let's just pretend it's kind of relatively normal. Um, we will open the trade on the 8th of July. Um, the current price, I think, is around 16.59 or something. So 16.50 is the closest. Um, sorry, 16. There you go. Thank you. 16.67. So you know, it's kind of between 16.50 and 17. So we, you know, we, we I guess have to make a decision. As I said earlier, ideally you'd want the thing to be the the current price to be sitting directly above your strike prices. Um, you know, I guess in this case, because it's not, we'd have to make a decision to say, am I net bearish or net bullish um, coals? Um, and if we go to the interactive chart, just quickly, if you don't mind, sorry to do this to you. Um, I didn't know you could Maybe. do that. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> you can just ask the, no, 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 I didn't know you could open, you could go view interactive chart, right click, I didn't know you could do that. Uh, right click, yeah. 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 That, that, you yeah. must be the bloke who wrote software for the for the platform, yeah. <laughs> that, I may have had a bit of an is. input. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is one of my screens. Got it. Yeah, every little button on the screen I know quite well. <laughs> you, you know, it. yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, uh, that's not really coming up. Okay, no, no, okay. I'm sharing my screen, so I'm just going to do this. Okay. Right. On my chart, I've got uh, uh, Bollinger Bands, and I and I can tell you that sitting there today, it's um, it's basically touching an upper Bollinger Band on a one-day chart. Straight, you did a straight twenty and a two standard deviation, yeah. I do. Yes, yes. Just yeah. the out-of-the-box settings. I'm not smart yeah. enough to do funky settings. Okay, so here we are. We've got the current share price like around about a, t a top Bollinger Band. So if you had to make a decision and say to yourself, statistically, given that, is the price more likely to go up or down? You'd, I'd be saying down. If you look at previous examples of where the price has gone outside the bands, it's you know, come back in. And so I'd be more than wanting us to buy a long, on a, a long calls and puts that were... Um, at a at a point that would take advantage of a drop in the in the share price. Does that, does that make sense? You, you know what I'm going to say straight away. Why not do a why not do a strap? A strap? A, did you say a strap? A strip. A strip. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's where you'd buy two two puts for each two call. Puts. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no um, no reason no reason. Yep. Yeah. So just do that. That's one to two. Yes, correct. Uh, time decay is definitely a thing. We can have a look at that in the matrix. Well, actually, sorry, time decay is probably better to see on the on the diagram. Uh, mm. It's going to zoom out a little bit just to get it out. So, fifteen means fifteen percent each way, um, and time decay is probably just a little bit more brutal. But having said that. Um, what, actually, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to go back to the chart uh, for a second. What would be a level that you would say, okay, this has come back. Where are you? Is it 16? Is it that middle part that you're looking at? Are you looking for a full retracement back down to the bottom level? Um, I'll be looking for a retracement to a point where I get between 25 and 50 percent profit after after costs and just get out. 
Okay. That could be six, okay. 16, 25. I actually don't know what the answer is. And I'm, I'm not trying to be smart. I just don't know. No, no, gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, if well, I guess the, the high-level things that you can do in a stress-testing scenario is go in and say, well, if it's 23 now, you can say that, you know, a drop could take it to 35% or 40%. So we can probably say, yep. let's try, you know, sort of 50% adjustment. That'll take it to 32 Roughly, so we would sort of assume that it comes back to around about there. Um, that's probably we're looking, at, we're looking at a strap here, of course. We're looking at a, at a strap. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So we can we can do a might just change that for now. Like how you've hijacked the conversation from a straddle to a to a strip. Well, look, Patrick. That's just yeah, I push my agenda. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, that's the fluid nature of options, my friend. That's okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, but on the vol adjustment, obviously, the faster that happens, the better. And uh, mm -hmm. when's uh, when 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 uh, when's it, when when are earnings? Uh, they're announced on the eighteenth. And okay. for those who don't know, um, you know, for the most part, that would mean they'd be announced roughly at eight thirty in the morning on the eighteenth of, of August. I, I want to. I'm going to come. I just want to. Get rid of it. Can we can we put the strip to a side for a moment? I want to go back to the battle for a couple of reasons. And and the first is that um, this is a strategy that going into this period of time allows us to um, set up a trade where uh, we don't have to have a view. You can have a bias. I like the idea of having a bias, like you suggested, either bullish or or bearish bias towards it. But you can go into the trade basically on the butt, you know, if you're comfortable that you're at a pivot point, inflection point, um, or you're just comfortable that the stock that you're going on will move significantly leading into that period, that you can set the trade in and the time decay that you'd normally face with this type of strategy is offset by the fact that uh, volatility will increase as you get closer to reporting. Um, and then you can trade your way out of it. Your, your, your risk is that um, volatility doesn't increase enough to offset the time decay or that you don't get any kind of end or you don't get any kind of movement on the stock. Would that be correct? So um, I actually did a long straddle on NAB going into the, the NAB earnings in May, yeah. which, which, which upon reflection, given we were, we were still heavily into COVID and the implied volatility of pretty much everything was fairly high. Mm. That wasn't a very good trade. And if I look look back at my good my good trades, that's not one of them. Um, yeah. To get out of it though, I actually and this thing was was like a pendulum. I kept swinging, um, you know, fifty percent, fifty cents above and then below the, st the strike prices of my options, and it just wouldn't wouldn't move beyond that. So I ended up yeah. uh, legging out of the damn thing. Yeah, you know, so I. Took advantage of the swing and you know, closed my call one day and closed my closed my put a few days later. Just, um, just, just go back to the, your rules into this because it's really important you get this set up properly. What is the expiry day? So going to this um, reporting season and and say it's taking yeah. cold. Where what yeah. re, what expiry day? You got twentieth of August. When do they report? Uh, on the morning of the eighteenth of August. Yeah. So you, your, your expiry is what, usually a week or less 
um, around um, the reporting, something like that? Yeah, so this one's um, two days after the reporting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that's obviously, you don't want to, um, you want to be picking. How far um, away at, the reporting date would you go on the expiry? Would I go as in, yep. would How I much? set, you mean? Yep. Yeah, so, so there's a whole bunch of um, stocks that report in the week leading up to the 20th of August. Yep. And I'm, I'm thinking somewhere, something there, something in that sort of week. Now, Carl's happens to be the 18th. That's fantastic. It's a Tuesday. So mm-hmm. I'd be looking to get out. You know, if if things are going really well and I've made my, my X percent profit, then I can get out whenever. If things aren't going well, you know, I can choose to suck it up and just take a take a loss, and I would I would close the trade um, the afternoon of Monday the seventeenth of August, mm-hmm. because I know that come when the when the market opens on the following day, the announcement will have already happened, the earnings mm-hmm. announcement, and the implied volatility will drop significantly, and whatever's left in those options, um, they've got two days to live. And if they've got no implied volatility, or if the if the if the IV shrunk, then the yeah. the value of those options is going to be not, not not much at all. Got it. Now, Ivan, can you click on one month on the volatility chart? So we're sort of getting down in recent times, right towards the low lower levels um, on IV. So that's actually pretty attractive if you can buy volatility. Twenty-four-ish, isn't it? Yeah, that's an IV rank of. I think it was twenty-six or something. It might, might be even less than that. Was it from from memory? It's certainly in the twenties. So yeah, we're, so, we're twenty-three right now. Right. Yeah. So um, implied volatility of twenty-three is is quite low for coals over the last was it twelve months? Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah. Okay. So setting yourself up playing around with if you're um, a bit bullish or bearish just playing around with that strike price do you ever mm-hmm. go at different levels do you ever like a 16 15 or 16 bucks or something like that no no I, I tend to no in, in this example I'd, I'd even be inclined maybe to go 17 dollar strikes because that what that means is if um, the pro, if the share price drops as I kind of think it might then I'm on the right side of the trade. I'm on the right side of that, if that makes sense. If you look mm-hmm. at the payoff diagram, it's a bit, you can kind of see that. Yep. So. Yeah, if you if you kind of toggle between those those two, you're on the the strike prices are on one side of the other, like the 16. So in, in that example there, um, the other one, sorry. Maybe I was wrong. I need to look at this. Yeah, that one. Sorry. So that would that would benefit more from a drop in the in the share price than than the other one than the seventeen. Okay. And um, how long do you hold this trade for? Um, what's your, what's your, until I make your, my. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it's other way around. The seventeen will benefit more. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's what I assume. Sorry, but I was wrong. Yeah, thank you. Um, answer your question. So I I know that um, that time decay really hurts you in the last sort of ten days. Mm-hmm. So 
unless things were going fantastically well for me, it'd be um, within. It'd be I would want to get out more uh, with still having ten days to go. If I if I unless unless the 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 share price was you know fourteen dollars, you know what I mean. Like if it was, yeah. it, it kind of depends. Is I guess the answer. The other th yeah. the other uh, rule that I've kind of said is if if, if I can pull fifty percent gross profit, I'm out. And if that's tomorrow or whenever, then when, when it's kind of whenever it is. Okay, there's probably a few people wondering about the exit, and um, so uh, Brian, am I correct in saying this? You get into the trade. Um, if you get a run on the share price, you might close out. If volatility goes up, you might close out. But generally speaking, you'll have closed out if it gets to um, north of 25% profit. Yep. Yep. And yep. 10 days out from expiry, is that what you're saying? If you haven't had that yeah. profit by 10 days out, you'll close it because then you're going to get chewed yeah. up by time. Okay? Yep. That's right. Yeah. And going back to this NAB example, because I remember, I think we spoke about NAB yeah. um, and I looked at pricing it up and we were like, you know, we're talking about it and just sort of going, yeah, you know, it's, it's a weird time. Uh, and I thought about it, doing the trade, didn't do it. Um, but to get out of that trade, you legged out of it. So you, the volatility yeah, was still moving, or the share price was moving, but the volatility wasn't doing what you wanted it to do. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. That was a strange time. Mm. Yeah, and again, with benefit of hindsight, I probably should have made that trade. That was just the the circumstances really, really weren't right, and I should have just gotten over myself and yeah, just yeah. not even done the whole trade. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay. Did you ask the question from Martin um, Ivan? No, there's a couple of questions that I haven't actually asked, but yeah, that's Please. definitely. Um, Might ask the question of how difficult have you found it to fit in your trading with your full-time job? Do you have any lessons learnt or tips for someone who might be considering this for themselves? Yeah, so um, one of them is not to have too many trades on at any any one time. So you're not trying to, I guess, um, uh, limit the number of balls in the air. Um, that's one. Two is, you know, thankfully we live in a in an age where, for the most part, unless you're on an aeroplane and you know Virgin doesn't have Wi-Fi, then um, we live in an age where you're never too far away from your technology. So if you set up um, some alerts, you'll be notified. You know, or if you're between meetings, you can have a quick look at your phone. There's always a way to kind of stay connected. But but um, I found at one point I had you know six or eight trades on. And it was just too much to kind of juggle between that and you know and, and and the other stuff going on that day. So when I'm at work, I might have one or two trades. On. Ryan, how do you how do you track your trades when you're at work? How do I track my trades? Yeah, so it's basically just looking at um, like a, I guess I work in an office, so I'm never too far from a computer. Um, I have a job where you know no one's looking over my shoulder. So if I've got to duck in and have a quick look, you know I do. And if I've got to make a quick trade, I do. Or typically, um, I do my research over night time. You know, do the the sort of thinking that's in front of us here, here now. And you know I, I say to myself, you know this is what I'm probably going to do. And so 
come 10.30 the following morning unless the market's gone kind of haywire. Yeah, I'll look to, if it makes sense, I'll look to open my trade um, and, you know, I'll set up my alerts and if the thing moves, look at it here, here in front of us, if the thing moves down to $16, you know, something, I, I might look to you know, close it if, that, if that makes sense. But yeah. I'll, I'll get an alert to say, you know, it's it's hit a price target, and I know you guys are working on a bit of tech where we'll start getting alerts on you know the value of of an option strategy, not just the share price, which I think is enormously valuable. Am I right? Yeah, Ivan. <laughs> How are you going with that, Ivan? Anyway, he's gone quiet. He's missed himself. Here he is. Um, he's back. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Next, next time, Mm. Um, All right. Look, there's, there's there's a lot of things coming out. <laughs> Just, I've done, yeah, I don't have an answer to. Do you, do you sorry, and you set alerts on price action and stuff like that. Yeah, so at home, at home during COVID, I I don't. But if I'm in the office, you know, I'm not necessarily looking at screens. Um, yeah. I do absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just quickly, um, anyone that um, the, wants to trade options using our system or open an account with us and trade, we offer the, the lowest cost options brokerage, the ability to trade spread trades online. We give you all the best technology in Australia. Um, if you would like to get access, take a trial on our platform, just type yes into the chat box and we'll get you set up. Um, and we run these sorts of sessions every week, discuss with traders, different strategies that they use and insights that they can bring uh, from private traders to some of the biggest professional traders in Australia to some of the, um, you know, the, the most important, I guess, professionals that run our markets and so forth. We, we, we cover a bit of territory and um, uh, if you, uh, you know, would like to get in there and, uh, and take a trial of our tech, then uh, just type yes into the chat box. If you're playing the options trading game at the moment, um, then the, our platform and the options trading game, same platform. Uh, so it, once you finish the game, it'll allow you to continue to pay trade your heart's content uh, and also trade with real money if you so, so wish to. So just type in yes if you would like to get access to all of that. Uh, let's have a look. Um, Brian, do you trade anything other than uh, equities, equity options? Um, I trade ASX equities and ASX options. That's it. I don't pretend to understand futures, CFDs, the US market, none of that. Just Australian stuff that I kind of know. Okay. Uh, Rob's asked a great question, and Ivan, I might, in, um, might get you just to go the 1650 and put the price matrix up for this. Um, but he's asked, can you please explain how you profit with both legs open? Won't the call and the put offset each other and then consider the costs of commission? Okay, so I reckon that is okay. a, a really good really good question. And what we're looking at here is a price matrix at the top right-hand corner. And on the price matrix, you can see the share price at 1667, 1717, and so, so on and so forth. So... It's price increments uh, moving at 3%, right? Um, and so if the share price goes up or the share price goes down enough, um, 
you get an improvement in the value of both of the options, uh, well, on one, on one side of the options that offsets uh, the other side, right? And so if volatility doesn't change, you need a movement up or down either fairly quickly of 3 to 6% to try and get position on the upside to make a profit, downside you're still not doing so well. But where it comes in um, is if volatility increases. So even if you increase the volatility by, say, 25% as a starting point or 20%, we'll just go 20. So if volatility increases, you can see that um, straight away I'm starting to make money on the trade even if the share price only goes up a smaller amount. I'm, I'm now profitable, right, either up or down. And if we increase the volatility uh, adjustment to, say, 50%, which uh, is historically um, quite likely, um, mm -hmm. you can see the impact that that has on the trade as well. So um, it's a spot-on question, Rob, and it's the only way it really works is if you get a significant move, you get a significant move quickly, or you get, a, you get some sort of a move and your volatility uh, moves as well, right? And, um, and that's why uh, Brian uh, has set this trade up going into the reporting season because you get that naturally volatility increases for the expiry option that is closest to um, that the reporting, right, post the reporting. And generally that's the, that's the way that we that, – that's why Brian chooses – uh, in, with Coles, it's reporting on the 18th. He's got an expiry on the 20th, and he'd be closing out of it 10 days before the, the reporting uh, period is because it gives him an opportunity to get the increase in volatility, a time where share prices generally do actually move a fair bit. And um, if he gets the move and he gets the volatility and it happens fast enough, it's a really good way of getting in and out of the trade. Um, yeah. Uh, and just, okay. just just to follow up to that, um, uh, the question from Rob was: so, so to play the strategy, do you need to check your equity historical moves at earnings? Um, I think one of the cool things to remember about this kind of strategy is that you're actually making a move more, or, or you're positioning yourself for a move in volatility or uncertainty. Uh, as opposed to the actual move specifically in historical equity prices. So um, the, as, as you get closer to earnings, um, people, uh, when I say people, mostly sophisticated and institutional traders, uh, and especially after a, a recent move higher, um, like in the example of Coles, for example, will typically start taking out protection uh, and, and, and uh, acquiring uh, put options, which is driving up volatility, which is driving up ultimately the the demand for it. So, um, as then as the, as you get into that sort of final stage of uncertainty, um, even if the price doesn't really move that far, you start getting an uptick in volatility, which is going to benefit both the call and the put. So that's yeah. that's kind of that's kind of an important part. Um, an interesting one. Rob's made the point. Seems risky with other risk factors in the market at the moment. Uh, Rob. I think that's an interesting one. Like I trade straddles quite a lot. Anyone that sort of comes to any of our sessions will hear me waxing on about straddles and I do it outside of reporting periods. Although I do like this and I'm going to be looking at this trade tomorrow, Brian, um, closely. Um, if nothing changes, I'll, 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 I'll do this trade for sure. 
I really like it. Um, just, what I just, like about um, it, just a thing, just, just a thing about coal. Sorry, um, I saw a report since we've been on this call that somebody in the coal's distribution centre has actually tested mm. positive to COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. if had we been to the trade today, someone's sick tonight, they close the Coles distribution centre, the share price is going to fall to the floor and we've, we've, we've just made a fortune. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. And, and so when you, Rob, you're saying it seems risky with other factors in the market at the moment, it's actually one of the things I like about straddles is that um, if I go to bed at night and I wake up and there's, you know, something's happened a la what um, Brian's mentioned there, that's like for the trade anyway, not for coals and not for people who use coals. But that's the best case scenario. Um, equally, if they come out with amazing news. So I'm managing time. I'm managing volatility. My entry on the trade is really I make my money on how well, how well I enter and how, and how good a decision I make there. And then I just have to manage, uh, you know, the, the timing of my exit. Uh, yeah, but like any trade, it's not a guaranteed thing. But I think if you structure it and set it up properly in these conditions, I quite like it. I think it's a, I think it's a good one. Um, yeah. Brian, um, all right, Gary's asked, uh, if your stock price goes one way, can you sell one leg? Brian, what are your thoughts about this? Have you ever... Um, the answer is no, technically yes, you can. Um, uh, what that then would probably leave you with is um, a loss-making leg that you've still got in the market, um, which if you've made enough profit on the on the good leg, great, then everyone's happy. Um, so yes, yes, you can get out. Uh, and I think I want to mention before with the with the NAB trade I did around their earnings. That's exactly what I did to get out of the trade is to what they call uh, leg out. So I sold one leg, waited a few days. Thankfully, the share price turned around and I was able to sell the other one. I think I might have lost 100 bucks on that whole trade. Yeah. So, so yes, yes, you can get out separate legs at a time. Yeah, if you get a big move on it uh, and there's not much value in the other leg, but I would imagine, generally speaking, statistically, if you added it all up, you're probably better off just doing your trade and closing the whole thing down. But there could be an extraordinary scenario where, um, you do get at such a significant move that when closing the trade down, there's not that much value in the other leg and it might be worth just leaving it there. Um, in case, uh, the, the, the tricky thing about that is it's important just to remember that if you do that, then effectively you're taking a directional view, whereas the original yeah. strategy is you're taking a view on volatility as opposed to a direction. You're actually mm-hmm. uncertain mm-hmm. about where the stock goes. You close down the call and then suddenly you're pretty bearish. Um, and then if, especially if you just got a, uh, a market that moved in one direction and is, is pushing and trending higher, for example, and you suddenly end up in a bearish position, you may, you may be risking all of the premium, especially when time decays on the side. So um, I think I've, I've, I've done a bit of time looking at this and actually chatting to uh, one of the guys who used to, um, uh, works at ASX now, one of the dudes that runs derivatives there and um, used to be a market maker at UBS and uh, he loves a straddle um, as a strategy on both sides, long and short. And I remember talking to him about this maybe five years ago and he was saying, you know, once you're in it, you should probably 
never never unpair them. Uh, it can backfire much faster than can uh, it can work in your favour, unless that sort of that right condition and with 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 what you were going through um, not so long ago, Brian, that was that was the right condition where the market was choppy um, and mm. and you're it's not trending and, and that's and that's where you can start getting good benefit out of legging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, well, it's eight. We, we're well past eight o'clock. Um, I think we've got really good uh, overview of the straddle and um, and trading into reporting season. Brian, thank you very much. Uh, much appreciated. Well, I might just ask if anyone's got any final questions for Brian, put them in and. Um, while we're waiting for that, if anyone also, or those of you that have requested um, a, a trial and access to the platform, we'll sort you out for that. If you haven't already, type in yes, and we'll get you set up. Um, Carl, Brian, have you considered longer expiries? Ah, very good question, Carl. Just interested to hear your answer here. Brian, have you considered longer expiries as they may be cheaper for time decay? Uh, longer expiries, as in, you know, for, as in a September expiry yeah. or starting the trade earlier? I would say September. Let's go with the September example. So yeah. uh, if, let's, okay. let, let so, me give you a scenario, Brian. So I'll yeah. extend Carl's question and say, okay, so rather than going 20th, why would you go 20th of August where you're going to have more time decay in the trade than... If, if volatility is going to go up, can't I just go out to September and give myself more time and let's have a sharper time decay? Uh, Good question. So from experience, the options that expire um, first after the announcement are the ones that are affected most by implied volatility changes. So what I'm trying to get at is that the, the options that expire on the 20th of August will be affected way more than options that expire in September, yeah. late September, when the earnings announcement's on the 18th of August. Yeah. So, so you're not going to get that implied volatility ramp up on, this, on the September options. And, um, yeah, so you don't get the volatility. Therefore, um, you won't get the, um, you know, on the September option, uh, you won't get the the increase in premium, and therefore the trade doesn't work in the same way. Um, and, and we've looked at we've looked at that. Um, I know Brian has done some research on it as well. We've looked at it, and um, uh, yeah, he's spot on. Uh, Rob's asked, how many contracts do you typically play? Uh, yep. So I mentioned earlier, I'm fairly modest size of trade. So the trade that's in front of us. Um, in this example, 20, 25 contracts. Um, you'll see that's a premium of three thousand one hundred and seventy-five bucks. So that's my total risk on the trade. I can lose no more than three thousand one hundred and seventy-five bucks, and that's around about what I put on. Um, you know, if you, we can talk about account management and why you shouldn't risk you know, more than X percent. Um, that's a, that's an amount of money that I'm kind of comfortable putting into the market. Brian, can I ask if um, the uh, if we're ten days out from expiry, um, and and I would ex- I wouldn't expect volatility to be lower where it is now. 
in, in based on this being a going into um, a reporting season trade. But let's say you're 10 days out, volatility's doing nothing, so it's at 30% or something like that. Um, so everything's gone wrong for you and the share price is sitting bang in the middle and you're going, it's time for me, sorry, 10 days from expiry, 10 days from before, and it's time for me just to, to lick my wounds and get out. What would you, from 3,175, where would you expect the, the value of those that trade to be? Um, if the share, if the stock price has not moved and time decay is hurting me and volatility hasn't changed, mm-hmm. um, I guess you can put it up on the up on the screen. But you can, um, I'm probably going to lose. I don't know what would it be a thousand bucks. Yeah, and and that's you know what that I really it's something to consider when you're thinking about doing straddles because I know how I trade a straddle and. I'll go a bit harder in terms of how much money I'll put on the trade. When you're looking at it and you're going, oh, well, the premium that you're risking is 3000 bucks." But, you know, yes, volatility could fall. I mean, in that period that you're talking about, when you're going off a fairly low base where you sit at the moment, you know, um, but if you're going off historically sort of normalised levels, um, it's a thousand bucks, right? You know what I mean? Like it's it's not like yeah. if I was going a pure directional trade and I woke up tomorrow and someone had COVID in the distribution center and I was bullish, Coles, um, I could be waking up to the you know having zero value left in my trade. Yeah, or if you just just bought a thousand Coles shares this, today, yeah. and you just put sixteen thousand six hundred you know seventy bucks in the market, and all of a sudden it's worth fifteen grand, <laughs> you yeah. know, or something. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. Beautiful. Well, Brian, thank you very much. Um, really appreciate you coming, taking the time and um, going through that with us tonight. Um, for anyone that um, next week, uh, I don't think we've confirmed our speaker. We've got an education session on tomorrow night, Ivan, just a reminder. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just got the email myself. And on Thursday, we next big trade. We're into the next options trading game. So I guess a lot of people in the session today are not playing the current game. They would have played previous games. Get on there. Um, we've had a lot of people register for that game, Ivan. I think it's beyond sort of 1,700 people at the moment. Um, so a big number of people playing. Um, interesting market. Geez, there's a lot going on at the moment. I don't mind going long, long vol at these levels. Um, not quite, just so close on the XJO. Um, uh, hopefully we get another flat day tomorrow and consolidate the levels we're at. Um, but, um, geez, I've been talking the last few weeks. I've missed it a couple of times. But be interesting to see um, how a straddle price is up on the XJO. We're not really, for my rules, it's getting very, very close. Uh, so hopefully, for me, it consolidates or heads up slightly over the next uh, two days. And Thursday, next big trade, we could be looking at a trade there. Um, and we've got a few things to discuss on um, just sort of more broadly where we see the market heading on Thursday. Um, other than that, um, Ivan, anything else you've got to add? No, but I, I think that um, I had tell you what I discovered the world of uh, current internet forums uh, and 
you know, the kind of stuff that people are saying on Reddit and uh, Facebook groups. And while uh, this has all been happening over the last three months, there's been a massive subculture of traders going back into the market, um, new, new traders, might I add. And uh, it's it, it reminded me so much of um, sort of the kind of things that people were saying about what the markets were after Wolf of Wall Street came out. Um, and a lot of people were talking about how, you know, Warren Buffett is no one and anyone with, you know, who, who, who said uh, no and, and, and bought Flight Center and Qantas and a bunch of these uh, rockets, as they like to call them, uh, is outperforming the market and, and is the smartest kid in the room. Uh, this is all starting to seem, you know, as soon as you start getting this kind of hysteria, this is all starting to seem uh, crazy. The outflows post-March uh, from the institutional sector, um, uh, there, there were net sellers in February and even bigger sellers March onwards, while retail has been buying all of it up. And it's in the billions. And um, unfortunately, it just underpins everything that I've been saying every every sort of Thursday session. For me personally, this is starting to seem like I don't even know. Like I I I, I really don't think it's a it's even a straddle anymore. I think that um, you know it, the market is going to at some point in time move, and it's going to move very quickly. Um, you know this recession is serious. Uh, there's a massive disconnect between, you know, there's, there's uh, kids running around unhappy with their current jobs, looking for other jobs, thinking that they're going to get them. Um, you know, we haven't had a recession for, what, almost 30 years in Australia. This is going to be crazy. I'm calling it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be pricing up some trades around that Thursday for sure. Um and at the I'm, very I'm, least, I might be I might be short at some point in time, but between now. Yeah. Well, at the very <laughs> least, I think um, going into reporting with vol at the levels you get at the moment, you get a double. Um, you get the double benefit of having a stock going into reporting volatility potentially mm. going to increase just across the whole market, and then what pe- what the share price can do as people pontificate the impact positively or negative, that they think will happen to these stocks. I just think it's a great time for this particular type of strategy, but we'll see. We'll be talking about it then. Um, I'll look at Coles tomorrow, um, and um, I'll be in touch, Brian, and see what other whatever other ideas you've got over the next uh, couple of weeks. So I'll give you a buzz tomorrow. Thanks for that, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone for taking um, the to Brian, Thank you, everyone, for hanging around for the time and thank you for your great questions thanks very much much appreciated and as you bump out of the session tonight please feel free to leave brian a bit of feedback on his presentation and uh and on on how you feel or appreciation for for the session uh or any other feedback you've got on how we can improve it thank you very much guys yeah just make sure you don't say anything too nice because then patrick will get used to being late and then i'll have to run more of these so make make sure make sure it's feedback (laughs) for brian bad for me (laughs) Very good. Thanks again.